May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a challenging relationship with time. Many of you unfortunately know this firsthand. It's a hard shortcoming to hide. I am often late. Not crazy late, but definitely not on time either. And it truly grieves me for a number of reasons. One, it's no fun to continually fail at something when you're trying so hard. And I would never, ever want to be perceived as rude or to have anyone think that my time is more valuable than theirs, and therefore it's fine for them to wait. It truly grieves me deeply, and I'm sure some of you can relate. I've read that people who move through the world like I do, the late people, are optimistic. Don't you love that spin? (laughs) Apparently, that is our fundamental flaw, optimism. We always think we have time to do one more thing. Empty the dishwasher, answer an email, something before we go. And sometimes that optimism stretches into magical thinking. Especially if you live in Denver, that magical thinking might look like Oh, there won't be any traffic. (laughs) So I offer you all right here and now a blanket apology for being late. So imagine my delight when on Friday night I was early for the All Souls Requiem. Some people might call it on time. I would call it early. I was here, I was dressed in my liturgical finery, I was completely ready 10 minutes before the service, and it was definitely an all-souls miracle. So what was I to do with this unusual and unexpected gift of time? I went out to all-souls walk. Friday night was beautiful, and I spent time praying for all those beneath the stones whom we love but see no longer. I listened to the sounds of a busy city on a busy Friday night. I chatted with Harold and John as they walked by. I spent time staring at our stunning stained glass windows from the outside. They were beautifully illuminated from the lights within. It was wonderful. And of course... I lost all sense of time. (laughs) And it turns out we weren't actually processing from the back, but rather from the Shannon room over here to my side, so I wasn't even in the right place. And therefore, I was late again. But those moments staring up at the stained glass, being outside on all souls, chatting with some of our modern-day saints, Harold and John, was actually worth it 
I'm not sure Broderick's blood pressure would agree, but it was one of those magical, magical times. An experience of a thin place. A moment that was both in time and out of time. I was mesmerized by how different the glass looks from the outside. With the pinpoint lights in here, it causes the windows to absolutely sparkle and come to life with the depictions of saints. It made me think of the countless times that I have walked past Swanee's All Saints Chapel, which sits literally in the center of campus. I walked by at night as a young, late teen, early 20-something as a student, and the lights were always on inside at night and you could see all of the windows illuminated. I instantly had that moment where you feel connected deeply to a memory of your younger self. And then I felt connected to my more recent self because as a very mature student, I went back to finish seminary. I felt connected to my children who walked and still walk past that chapel at night connected to all who have worshipped there. And standing on All Souls Walk, I was deeply aware of the stones beneath my feet, covering the beloved departed of St. John's. These very walls, both within and without, are saturated in the prayers of a century of faithful people. The pews within and the stones without are bathed in the tears of those who have come here to mourn. And this very ceiling is coated in the music that we send up in praise of God. This is a holy place. It's a place both in time and out of time, all at once. We are all, in all ways and at all times, sharing in the risen life of Christ with each other, with all those who have come before us, and all those who will come after. This concept of holding time loosely has become even more profound to me over this, my first year of being a priest. And time's funny that way, isn't it? I feel like I've been doing it forever, and yet I can't believe I'm almost at a year. We are so linear in our culture. We are bound by clocks and calendars and our smartphones, which contain both, and deadlines. We can easily forget and be forgiven for forgetting that time to a Christian is different. In the past week, I have administered last rites. I have blessed a newborn baby. I officiated a wedding last night. And at 10.30, I will baptize a child. All of it. All of the great cycle of life played out in one week and in no logical sequence. This is what we do in the church. 
This is how we hold time. We hold it loosely. We hold it reverently. We're aware always of its messiness and its glory. And weekly, at every Eucharist, we encounter Christ and all those who have died but are alive in Christ. All the souls and all the saints. In time for the celebration of this Feast of All Saints, those funny and nerdiest of all church nerds have just released the bracket for Lent Madness 2019. And for those of you who are not familiar, this is um, a, f- a very fun and lighthearted thing that um, models March Madness for college basketball. And so there are brackets where lesser-known saints and well-known saints are pitted against each other. And there's always a Cinderella story. And this first round this year pits the Bethany sisters, Mary and Martha, against each other. This same Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, who we meet in John's Gospel this morning. And I have to tell you, I hope Martha wins for lots of reasons. But if for no other reason than that the King James Version of her practical concern for Jesus' olfactory discomfort. The KJV says, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. Mary and Martha, in their grief, are locked into time. Linear time. Four days. Lazarus surely stinketh. Mary meets Jesus on the road and bemoans his lateness. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. These are words and sentiments that transcend time. Mary said it in the first century, and we say it today. If only we had gone to a doctor sooner. If only we had known. If only I could have told him I loved him one more time. If only God had granted a miracle. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Lazarus dies and is brought back to life, and because he is not Jesus, he dies again. In baptism, we too are buried and resurrected with Christ. In the Eucharist, we are united with Christ and with all those we love but see no longer. Time is slippery, and for the Christian, it is anything but linear. There is no app, nor will there ever be, on our smartphone for how to go through time with Christ. I want to share with you all a final story that I came across this week. The great statesman Winston Churchill 
planned every detail of his funeral service. He and the cathedral staff of St. Paul's in London called it Operation Hope Not. And perhaps that's what Ian should call his meetings with some of you as you pre-plan your own funerals. At the end of the service, the Archbishop of Canterbury blessed those gathered and all sang the national anthem. Before the withdrawal of the coffin, a bugler at the west end of the cathedral played the last post, the English version of our military's taps. There followed a full minute of silence. The silence was finally broken by another bugler at the east end of the cathedral playing Reveille. My friends, it is in that silence, in that time and space between endings and beginnings, beginnings and endings, that we as Christians live and move and have our being.